Thank you for joining us here at First Baptist Church of San Antonio, whether online or on broadcast, in your homes or wherever you may be. We want you to know that you are more than welcome to be a part of the life of this church, and we want you to know that we want you to meet Jesus today. In order for this to happen regularly, we need your support, we need your prayers, and we need your financial gifts. Please continue to give and be a part of what we do today. Amen. As the orchestra makes their way down, I want you to, with me, find our text for this morning. We're going to read aloud together Joshua 6, 1 through 5. It's on your listening sheet. So find that with me, and we will read that aloud. Let us stand, and we'll read. This then is the text for today. Now Jericho was tightly shut because of the sons of Israel. No one went out and no one came in. The Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and the valiant warriors. You shall march around the city, all the men of war circling the city once. You shall do so for six days. Also, seven priests shall carry seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. Then on the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall be that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, then when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat. And the people will go up, every man straight ahead. May God bless the reading of his word. Just before what we read, so the end of Joshua chapter 5, Joshua has to refocus. And he has to refocus because there is a man a yet unidentified man standing in front of him holding a sword. Now, the nation of Israel has been preparing for this, leading up to this this moment where Joshua has led Israel to Jericho for this significant battle of a fortified city. And here they are, next to, right beside the city of Jericho, and as Joshua is going about his business, he is confronted by this man carrying a sword. And when we think of a sword and, and the sword in the hands of a soldier, we, we know what that means. We can imagine a soldier getting ready for battle holding his sword. You see, Joshua knew what that meant. A sword drawn from its sheath is meant for battle. This one is ready for action. And if any of us were to come up with a plan to take a fortified ancient city, it would include swords. There would be many of them. Many swords for everyone to to take up and fight when that day came to fight. And so now Joshua, the leader of Israel, has now met 
and confronted by a man holding a sword, is it time to fight? See, Joshua asked him a question. Now, it turns out to be the wrong question. Joshua's mistaken, but this, this is his first instinct as he meets this man with the sword, is to ask him this question. Are you for us or are you against us? As they have come up to Jericho, they expected to find many people that were against them. Joshua suspected this might be one of those people carrying a sword that day ready for a fight. Are you with us or are you against us? And in this moment, near the city of Jericho, the the sword and the question are perfectly reasonable. These are what anyone would expect as this battle looms over this whole region. But, But the answer this man gives Joshua He comes back and he gives Joshua an answer that helps Joshua bring things into the proper focus. See, the answer that he gives him helps Joshua to see clearly what's happening in front of them. See, Joshua needed to understand in that moment what this was about. Much like us, this church, as we approach Holy Week and we we look forward to celebrating Easter together, It's important that the Lord our God opens our eyes to that which we need to see this week, to refocus us on the things that matter and where victory comes from. You see, Joshua was being refocused by this man with the sword. She says that the children of God exited Egypt, and as they marched towards the promised land to this very moment, there was nothing normal about it. There was nothing earthly about it at all. All of it was orchestrated by God to reveal his glory day after day. The nation of Israel, as they marched on towards the promised land, the glory of God was with them and the glory of God was magnificent. And astoundingly, there were still days that Israel would forget about it, lose sight of it. But the way that they were sustained and the way they were protected by God meant that life wasn't normal. It was extraordinary, especially their battles. You see, there was nothing normal about what was happening around the nation of Israel in these days. Everything was grand and holy as of the hand of God himself. That's what we long for is the the people of God for life not to be normal, but for life to be holy. We, We don't want what everybody else has. We don't want what the earth produces. We want what want what comes from the hand of God, that which flows from heaven itself. This man standing in front of Joshua with a sword was helping Joshua focus in on the significance of this moment and who our God is. You see, as was the case with this battle of Jericho, nothing was going to be normal. This battle was not going to be about swords or effective battle plans. This was going to be of a different kind. This this was going to be a heavenly intervention. This would be God and, and his army of angels going before them. So back to Joshua's question. When he comes to this man holding the sword and Joshua says, are you for us, are you against us? This was the wrong question. 
And this is why in chapter five, verse 14, when you come to the end of chapter five, the man with the sword looks at Joshua and he doesn't answer his question, he just says no. Joshua says, are you for us, are you against us? And he says no. And he says no, this, as it's described in this scene, this, this is a heavenly being. This is an agent of the armies of the living God. This is one who is described as the commander of the armies of angels. This is as a prince of heaven. You see that here, you see it in Daniel chapter eight. This is, this is a prince of heaven standing before Joshua and Joshua shouldn't be asking the question, are you for us or are you against us? Amen. Joshua should be wondering, am I with him or am I against him? You see, because this battle isn't a battle that's gonna be fought with swords forged by human hands. This is something different. This is not normal. You see, this sword that this heavenly being is holding, this is more like the swords that we see in Genesis chapter three. A sword on fire guarding God's garden. You see, this battle was going to take place at, at a heavenly level by the hand of God so that neither Joshua nor Israel could boast about that which is going to happen. They would have to give glory to God. It's similar to when Elisha's servant's eyes were opened in 2 Kings chapter six. There, the mountain is filled with horses and chariots of fire. And Joshua says to his servant, the one that's with us is greater than anybody that's against us. In fact, we go with the unconquerable force of heaven charging forth for the purposes of God. So it would be inappropriate then for us to look up and ask God, God, are you for me or are you against me? As Joshua standing before this prince of heaven saying, are you for me or are you against me? See, it's, it's inappropriate then for us to see the, the flaming sword of Eden or the fiery chariots of Dothan and ask those heavenly soldiers, are you coming with us as if we're, we're their commander? They are under the direction of the creator of the heavens and the earth. Instead, we should be asking, can I go with you? Can I stand with you? Can I be in, of, and with the kingdom of God? See, that's who we need to be near. That's who we need to be with, marching in step with the kingdom of God as it patrols the earth. Joshua's heart was sensitive to this. We see that as the story unfolds, that when the captain of the hosts of heaven answered Joshua, Joshua immediately changed his tone. He fell on his face and he asked, what do I do? If you are the commander of the armies of God, what do I do? This should always be our posture before the Lord our God. Humbled, listening, obeying. You know, it's interesting here because Joshua meets this prince of heaven. And you could see a, a captain of the Lord's armies charging Joshua then Go sharpen your swords. Go and review the battle plans with everybody in your command. But instead, 
Joshua is instructed to remove his sandals, like Moses at the burning bush. This is another act of submission under the ways of God where Joshua is not aligning himself with those of heaven. So I'm not gonna stand shoulder to shoulder with God, but instead Joshua is submissive to the king of kings and lord of lords and says, I will, I will submit to you. Whatever you tell me to do, that I will do. E- even when it, when it doesn't make any sense to me, even when it doesn't seem like the normal thing to do, if the commander of the armies of God says, take off your shoes, then you take off your shoes. See, many times we, we want to, to tell God what we want to do, that we want to come to God with an issue, a, a problem, a trial, a wall, and we come to God not only with the, with, the, with the prayer to say, help me, but we come to God with all these suggestions of how he's supposed to answer our prayer. We come to God with ways of deliverance out of our own imaginations. And many times God comes back to us And instead of blessing our plans for the days ahead, he does something like he does with Moses at the beginning of the Exodus. Or like Joshua walking into the promised land. You see here, Joshua is in the crucible of war. And it's a very similar moment like when Jesus is with his disciples that that final week of the passion. The, The fires of conflict ignited all around Jesus and his ministry. And instead of fighting, God tells us to take off our shoes. On a physical level, this seems like a terrible preparation for a fight. Why would I, be, why would I take off my shoes when I could be sharpening my sword? You see, we're, we're good at coming up with all kinds of things that we need to do to make things right when God has already set everything straight. We, we like to come up with ways and means for tomorrow. But when we make it a habit of chasing down our own ideas and ways, we never have time to listen to God. See, Joshua taking off his shoes makes it clear where his loyalty is this day. It's a show of faith. Joshua knew that this battle would only be won by the ways of God. In Joshua's hands, they would have been defeated. They would have been unable to conquer a walled city. But by the hand of God, anything is possible. So the only way they were going to win this war was for Joshua in this moment to take off his shoes. Or more widely expressed for us this morning, the only way that we know victory is to obey the Lord our God. You see, if Joshua would have ignored this heavenly one, if Joshua would have ignored him and went to prepare the siege works, or if Joshua would have went and gathered his troops to cut off the supply lines to Jericho, they would have lost been defeated miserably. There was no way for Joshua to take Jericho by any normal military means. 
Jericho, they had the upper hand. By all the normal military operations, Jericho had the upper hand. In fact, that's what we hear in Numbers 13. Numbers 13 is, is ages ago when Moses sent in the, the 12 spies to the land and 10 of them came back and they said, we're not capable of taking this land. The people are too strong. The walled cities are too high. We cannot do this. And though those 10 were not certain of why this was so, they were correct. This was not possible for them to do on their own. There was no way the nation of Israel could take Jericho on their own. But by the hand of God, with the armies of angels going before them, victory was certain. You see, when they came back, those 10 spies came back to report on what they saw. All they could imagine was physical military might. And under normal human fighting conditions, there is no foreseeable path to victory. There is no humanly way that Joshua can take Jericho. It's beyond him. It is beyond the strength of Israel. And I want us to remember this because as we look around us and as we look forward into the days ahead, it often feels overwhelming that the trials that stand in front of us seem too much that the problems of society and the pain of our country is beyond us. You see, when we recognize the, the, the outside world pressing in on and pushing back against Christianity, suppressing the message of the gospel, it's painful. And on some human level, we recognize We're not capable. We don't have the strength or the wisdom to fight. And if we rely on our own strength, then the battle is already lost. That if we want to fight the world on the world's terms, we will lose in the world's ways. Joshua would have lost this battle if he didn't take off his shoes. But by the wisdom the Spirit of God had given him, Joshua looked up. His eyes weren't on the dirt beneath his feet, but he looked up. And he looked up to God, and he could see that this sword was of heaven. And this battle wasn't a physical one, but a spiritual one that had already been won by the strength of God. And if we want to know victory, In the same way that Joshua knew victory, we will take off our shoes. Every one of us, barefoot before God, ready to walk anywhere for him. You see, this taking off of the shoes, it's us recognizing that it's not about our plans. It's not up to us to empower anyone. That is God's work. God does the heavy lifting for his children. Our work is different to listen, to obey, to worship. See, this is the appropriate way. The the same way that Joshua faces Jericho is the appropriate way for us to think about the battles that we face, both on an individual level and in the days ahead on a societal level. Because there, there are going to be trials. There will always be difficult days ahead. Scripture says that over and over again, that the trial comes. 
And whenever you run into one of those dire days, you need to be prepared to skip the sword and take off your shoes. You see, our first instinct is is to, to grab the sword and to fight back with all of our might. But let me assure you this morning, your might is not enough. You see, our first instinct is to hit it head on, to go fast and furious into the battle, leaving God behind, and we head off to a slaughter. You see, instead, the way of of Jesus Christ, our Lord, the, the way the church is to follow is to go the way of Joshua, to take off your shoes, stand before God, and submit to him. You see, there's, there's this typical God move that, that happens as we flip through the pages of Scripture and we see these kinds of battles and we see God doing overwhelming things. You see these moments where something astounding happens that could only be attributable to God, that it, it unfolds before the people of God and all of them look up and say, that must have been God because there was no way any of us could have done this. It brings the glory back to God and God alone. It's it's something like the parting of the Red Sea. When the nation of Israel comes to the Red Sea and it it parts so that the, the Israelites pass through on dry land, not any one of them could take credit for that. That was for the glory of God. Or something like the temple veil being torn from top to bottom at the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. These holy moments are attributable to God himself, for God and his glory. That's what we long to see as a church, as the people of God. Those are the things that we want to see. Those are the things that we want to be a part of that bring glory to the name of God and not to any one of us. Wouldn't it be wonderful to see the power of God on display so that his name is further glorified. And you know, we learn from Joshua here. The scripture is instructive as to when and how these kinds of things happen. The when and how the the power of God is put on display for the people of God. I was taken aback this week when I was reading through some of the commentaries studying for this text. One of those I was reading was Trent Butler's commentary, and he noted something that that I didn't recall in the text, that when we get to to Joshua chapter 6, and Israel begins to march on Jericho, as it unfolds in the text, it doesn't look like war. This scene is not militant. Instead, when when you look at various other places in the Old Testament, You see it in the Gospels, too. It sounds like Israel's going to worship. This sounds like one of the festivals where all of Israel is called back in towards the temple and they begin to worship the Lord their God as they're entering in to worship. That's what this sounds like. Where where the battle plan is described, it sounds more like worship than it does war. In verse 4, it's the priests leading the way, carrying in the ark before them, honoring God. 
And it, it's the priests who are leading out in worship. They're carrying their trumpets forward fervently, blaring those trumpets up into the heavens for the glory of God. They aren't charging towards the city with torches and swords. It's as if the orchestra has gathered together and is playing a call to worship so that when all Israel hears the sound of the ram's horn, they shout with a great shout. This, this is a description of the feasts and festivals of Israel. All the children of God marching forward in worship. It doesn't look like Israel is sharpening their swords for battle. They're getting their voices ready for worship. You see, this, this is our example. They, this fight that they were in was God's alone. And not just Jericho, but, but any battle that confronts the kingdom of God his strong arm is sufficient for victory. That he will win and he will overcome. In fact, we know as we approach Holy Week, the grand victory of heaven, heaven happened at the cross of Jesus Christ as he conquers sin and death and is resurrected again for our behalf. This was the great victory and hope that we know in heaven. The war already won. The same was true for Israel going into Jericho. It was already won. But God placed this call over his people. He placed this call over his children. And it, it was something like this. He says, listen to my word. Attune your ear to the voice and word of God. Let this be the priority for your life as you shape your intentions and your plans and your dreams. Come back to this, the word of God, and listen carefully. Pay attention with, with great care to that which God has said. And not just listen to the word of God, but then obey the word of God. That which God tells you to do you go and you do it. Even when it sounds out of place, even when it sounds like it's not gonna work, when God says, take off your shoes, you take off your shoes. You see, when this call on our life comes and we're to obey the orders of the King of Kings, we follow through. We listen to our commander. And it's going to look very different than the world's tactics. There are plenty of times when the people of God look silly like Noah. But Noah found life. Just listen to my word. Obey my word. And go forth in worship. Just, this is your victory. N nothing else. Th this, is, this is your victory. Hear my word. Hear Jesus Christ bring life and obey and worship. This is where you find victory. See, one of the things that we have to understand this morning is that you don't have to do anything for your salvation. And this is what I mean. It is not in your strength that you are saved. 
It is not by your actions that salvation comes. Salvation only comes in and of the work of Jesus Christ at his cross. It's not up for you to fight. Jesus has already won. Your protection, your salvation in Christ is assured. Listen, obey, and worship. It often looks ridiculous to stop sharpening your sword and worship. But your life depends on it. When God says, take off your shoes, it doesn't matter what your feet think. You obey, you worship, and all will be added unto you. You see, the other side of this story is true for us too. That if you don't, if you refuse to listen to God's voice, you will lose everything, like Jericho. So will you walk with Jesus? Or will you be crushed like Jericho? Salvation is found at the cross. Let us meet there this week and know the salvation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Our Father, we come before you this morning as empty people, weak people, people who have known failure intimately. And we beg you for salvation. Lord, for every one of our hearts that are hurting this morning, we pray that you would pick us up in your mercy and comfort us with your compassion. And Lord, we, we pray that you would open our eyes and refocus us so we can see Jesus clearly and see his ways clearly. Lord, be with us in this moment and change our hearts so that they are attuned to you. It's in the name of our Lord and risen Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.